everyone. Welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown, joined by CJ Yuri. It's been a while for this pod, and so much has happened in the football world and the hockey world in the gap in time. We've done some Strictly Baseball in between. We've done some backyard bets. But, CJ, I mean, your Michigan Wolverines, the Miami Dolphins, you're, you're having the best football year of your life right now. I mean, I know the, 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 the Dolphins just lost the 49ers. Everyone's freaking out. I'm not. I think it's an aberration and they were going to lose a game eventually. They just traveled East Coast to West Coast to face a great defense. You're going to lose a game. Um, so, you know, all these people saying, oh, this proves Tua isn't good. It's it's ridiculous. But, uh, I mean, you're having a great football season. This is amazing. Yeah, I cannot complain at all um, to, to come to University of Michigan, and then they just go to a 13-0 uh, and season that is wild. <laughs> I know that their out-of-conference schedule was really bad, but – outside of a few teams in the country and that they would have scheduled in the first week or two for an out of conference schedule. I mean, they would have beaten anyone. So um, that has been awesome. Also new favorite college football player in the last decade by far, Donovan Edwards. Uh, He is electric. He is amazing. He is total football player, man. Like Corum goes out. Donovan Edwards is more of a receiving back, but he's a five-star running back. So he could do it all, but, He's more used in receiving down um, situations, and he just comes in and just, you know, with a broken thumb becomes an every down back, running in between tackles, catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, NF, when he's ready to go to the league, man, like, holy cow, he is he is going to be with a top 40 pick, per se. If, he, if he's not in the first round, he's going to be picked at the very first couple picks in the second round. So it's cool. I love it. It's awesome for Michigan. And then for the Dolphins, I mean, yeah, the game on Sunday, I a lot of that was, was really just um, Kyle Shanahan whipped up an amazing game plan. And uh, D'Amico Ryans is the best defensive coordinator in the NFL by far and away. Uh, he is fantastic. And Dolphins were without uh, their best uh, offensive lineman, Taron Armstead. And I think that that really hurt especially when you're going up against a pass rush such as um, uh, the 49ers. But no, I'm not panicking at all. I had said prior to this trip to California, you know, take one or or go one and one, split the games between San Francisco and the Chargers, and everything should be fine. There shouldn't be any issues. Oh, I I know you want Tua to beat Herbert. Absolutely. Tua Tua needs to beat Herbert. Like, this is a massive social media game. It really is. It is like, oh, like this is. I, I, NBC is so smart for finding a way to, to flex this game into Sunday Night Football. I mean, first of all, it should have always been there anyway. Second, it's like the Chargers really need to win this game. They are sinking. Their ship is sinking for the playoffs, and the Dolphins, Tua needs to win this game for himself. Um, it's just such a big game. Both fan bases around the league. I mean, whichever quarterback loses this is just going to get trolled left and right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm pumped. Like, Sunday night's going to be big, big game in, in my house. But anyway, yeah, football season this year has been good. No, dude, it, it's that Sunday night football game is, is going to be nuts. I mean, you know, to, to think about the Dolphins going on the road to face Herbert. All these years of everyone saying, oh, you know, they'd rather take Herbert, blah, blah, blah. And even me, like I, I, I probably still take Herbert 
you know, so even for me, like it, it, you know, I pause at it. Like, I think I would rather have Herbert than Tua still, but uh, if Tua goes in there and beats him, like Herbert is massively underperformed this year with great weapons, great offensive line, great defense. They added uh, Khalil Mack to this roster. Uh, Derwin James has been healthy the entire season. There's no reason that their record should be where it is, especially when the Raiders and Broncos have been terrible in your own division. So you need to take you. They should have taken advantage of it. Now, could you blame it on the head coach and Brandon Staley? Sure. Uh, but I, I don't think that's valid. I, I really don't. I think Herbert has definitely underperformed and it's caused me to hesitate when thinking about Tua versus Herbert. Um. Yeah, I'm actually in the middle of this argument right now with my friends, uh, my fantasy football league about Justin Herbert. I think Emmanuel Acho the last couple of weeks has hit the nail on the head. I find just Justin Herbert to absolutely be the social media quarterback. I mean, we we're in an era of football where there are like two sides of the aisle: these fantasy football, social media, talking heads, right? Which, in their own right, you know, they 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 keep up with the league in the way that they want to keep up with the league, and then there's people on the other side of the aisle that don't put all their eggs into stats and like, like fantasy football stats and social media clips of a rocket arm that, you know, like, and and they value wins. They value the fourth quarter. They value leadership and stuff. And I'm not saying Justin Herbert doesn't do any of those things, but when you look at his, he has the most amount of losses in the last three years. And he is, sorry, the second most amount of losses in the last three years. The only other quarterback that has more is Matt Ryan. And we're going to sit here and just crown Justin Herbert for his rocket arm and his long hair and the way that he can run and blah, blah, blah. It's ridiculous. He doesn't get held to the same standards as quarterbacks before him, and it's it's dumb. Again, he plays for the lesser team in L.A., right? The Rams are the bigger team. The Chargers have the, the smaller fan base. He plays West Coast time. In my opinion, if he was playing in Miami, if he was playing in Green Bay, if he was playing in New York, if he was playing in Dallas, if he was playing in, heck, even Seattle, he would be judged to a uh, an appropriate extent. But since he's playing for the lesser fan base in L.A., he's playing different time zone hours and, and whatnot, I find that he gets a pass from the media okay. because all these fantasy football, you know, people just look at their phone and they go, well, you got me 30 points in fantasy. This guy's top five quarterback in the NFL, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, well, did you see that he actually gave the game away in the fourth quarter? Did you see that all of his points for fantasy came between quarters one and three? He's actually not a good fourth quarter quarterback. Like, he makes bad decisions. He Everything just seems to come, everything seems to implode in the fourth quarter. Whereas, is Justin Herbert a really good quarterback? Hell yeah. Would I want him on my team tomorrow? Yes. Like, of, of anybody would, anybody in the NFL outside of maybe two or three teams would say yes to, to Justin Herbert being on their team tomorrow. I mean, the guy is, is a physical specimen. But here's where I'm taking Tua over Herbert. The fourth quarter. Tua doesn't make mistakes in the fourth quarter. Tua wins games in the fourth quarter. He he makes clutch throws. Some The great quarterbacks, and I'm not saying Tua is a great quarterback yet, but the great quarterbacks in the NFL, they find a way to win, and the fourth quarter becomes their best quarter, right? Look at Joe Burrow's run in the playoffs last year. 
there were times in the playoffs where I'm like, damn, this guy, this guy's like, he, the, the Bengals are falling apart. They're not going to win. But the fourth quarter comes around, Joe Burrow figures it out. Same yep. thing with Josh Allen, man. Josh Allen goes toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. Both those guys in the fourth quarter, mistake free, touchdown, 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 touchdown. No punting. Find a way to get to the get to the red zone. Herbert, when it comes to the fourth quarter, the guy just like everything stops. All the progress stops. And for everybody to sit here and go, he's this amazing quarterback. Don't tell me he's amazing yet until he finds a way to get to the playoffs, finds a way to win in the fourth quarter, because no one can tell me otherwise that he was drafted into the best situation in that draft. Oh, Joe Burrow goes to an insanely horrible Cincinnati Bengals organization. I'm talking organization-wide, bad organization. Okay? Right. He, go, he walks into a horrible O-line, a completely rebuilding team. Tua walks into a team that's rebuilding one side of the ball, the offense. The defense is kind of already there. And then a head coach that wants to sabotage his entire career. And Herbert walks into a ready-made team, a team that was ready to compete right off the bat. They had a great roster. And he hasn't made the playoffs. And half the time, I feel like they lose because of his actions in the fourth quarter. But I don't know what you think, but... You can't tell me he is within top five, top seven, top eight yet until no. he shows you, you know what? Not only am I going to outduel you in the three, the, those three quarters, but I'm going to, to give you the, what is it? The dagger. I don't find that Herbert's got in him that fourth quarter dagger. That's right. It. You know, I, I agree. I think he's very clunky uh, in the fourth quarter. I also think he, he has a little bit of a happy feet problem where he's kind of just, he's not set. He's kind of always moving around i don't know if that makes any sense where you know he's kind of hopping around almost in these fourth quarter situations guys are rushing at him and you can see him kind of turning left turning right moving this way moving that way and it's not set and like you said it's not that dagger that i'm going to throw the ball down the field forward i'm going to stand right here i'm going to plant my feet and i'm going to throw a a, a freaking dagger down the field there isn't that i mean Tua can do that in the fourth quarter we've seen it this year and his record's been great. So wins and losses matter. It used to. If fantasy football didn't exist, you're right. I mean, there would be a totally different perception right now. You'd be saying, this guy wins and this guy doesn't. And that that would really be the argument. And because of fantasy football, I mean, stats matter even without fantasy football. Of course, you could always say, oh, well, Herbert's completion percentage is yards and is this and is that. And he throws harder and maybe he throws farther and it, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. It, it's certainly become closer. Herbert has to prove it. If he loses, they're in danger of missing the playoffs again. I mean, the New England Patriots are right on the bubble. The New York Jets could make the playoffs over the Chargers. And Zach Wilson didn't even work. They have a new quarterback in there. They have White in at quarterback. It's pretty pathetic right now for the Chargers. If they, if they don't make the playoffs, that's a bad look, especially if the Jets are getting in above you. I mean, much respect to them. They have a great defense. Robert Saul, a great head coach. They made a, the right decision moving off Zach Wilson. I think he's actually a bust. I, I actually will go on here and say I think Zach Wilson's a bust because White goes in there. He has 57 attempts as a passer. Zach Wilson was given like 15 a game. They, they had no confidence in that guy. I think he's done. Um, totally and- agree. I, 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 I'm, I, I actually feel a little bit bad for Zach Wilson. And the reason being is because I had saw Zach Wilson in that, um, what was it, the COVID year? Yeah, the COVID year. 
yeah. I was like, dude, this guy is he he's got the traits, man. He he's got it all. But again, when you go to the Jets, there's something about the Jets. And and I think Zach Wilson's situation is different than most of the other Jets quarterbacks that have come through over the years. But when you when you have the defense, the Jets defense is elite level. It is a very good defense. You have a head coach that is believing in you. He is instilling. He's like Robert Sala is like the upgraded Brian Flores. Like he's not a divisive head coach, but he's going to give you a fantastic defense and he's not going to uh, 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 screw up the offense. He's going to give that to the offensive minds and, and, you know, manage from the, from the outside. But Zach Wilson, man, like there's just, he's in, he's mistake prone. I mean, the, the interceptions are horrible. He, he's never displayed the leadership. Right, that doesn't fall on the sword. What's there to like about this guy? That he could throw the ball far. Yeah, and he can run. Maybe. Again, I mean, I think Zach Wilson will get run out of the uh, run out of town. But then there, there's going to be a coach. There's going to be a team that 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 snatches that up like this. This is not a Baker Mayfield situation. Zach Wilson has all of the physical traits that you would want in a quarterback, but he needs to go to, I think he needs to be with a Kyle Shanahan. He needs to be with a Pete Carroll. He needs to be with a heck, even a Bill Belichick, which won't ever happen, but a a coach like that, that is going to for a year, dumb this freaking playbook down and make him, make him have to make the easy throws. And then I feel like Zach Wilson's one of those guys that he, if he catches a little bit of fire, gets a little bit of confidence, he's going to be great. And he doesn't have that right now, but the Jets can't afford to give him any more time because they have a good roster and they're in playoff contention. So if you're the Jets, go for the freaking playoffs, of course. Like, I'm not going to give this guy the damn the damn ball anymore if he's going to screw it up for us. And like you said, dude, Mike White looks fine. He looks he looks like he can get, help them get to the playoffs. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I mean, maybe we could even see like a Derek Carr for Zach Wilson swap. I mean, you never know. You never know with how the Raiders' season is going. Um, although Josh McDaniels might not be the coach that you want if you're Zach Wilson. But uh, moving on, college football. Well, actually, let's go. Let's continue on with the NFL. So once again, Joe Burrow beats the Kansas City Chiefs. He did it on the road in the playoffs. Now he does it at home. Um, I mean that. that is it, are we getting to a point where maybe we could have a debate? Is Joe Burrow on the same level as Patrick Mahomes in terms of could we consider him better than Patrick Mahomes despite not winning a Super Bowl yet? Uh no. I think that there I just I think Joe I think Joe Burrow is an amazing quarterback, man. I mean, he's on his way to greatness. He's on his way to a Hall of Fame career. I mean, like he's just that good. He's that guy, but Again, I find that these Mahomes-esque performances, um, Aaron Rodgers-esque performances from Burrow sometimes are, they're not few and far in between, but they don't happen every single week. Mm. Um, and I again, I don't think it's a very fair thing to say, what I'm trying to say here, but Mahomes, is in an, Mahomes and Allen are in a, I think it's Mahomes, then a, Allen just a touch under him, and they're in an entirely different bracket than the rest of the league right now. I think that Joe Burrow is in that bracket right under them. Um, he is a fantastic quarterback. I would say that you have guys like Burrow, Lamar Jackson, 
those type of guys that are in that column of like really great quarterbacks got to win the big one. Right. And, and Joe Burrow's won the big one per se. Like he's, you know, gone through the playoffs. He's got a great, you know, he's, he's shown you, he, he's going to not only take you deep to the postseason, but he's going to be a few plays away from winning a Super Bowl. But again, look at Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes is every year the chiefs are in the AFC championship game. Every year the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender. They're a play away from being in the Super Bowl. And in my opinion, I think the Chiefs are going to win it all this year. And that's all. I mean, that's it's 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 more so like Burrow's a great Burrow's great. He's going to be on his way to a Hall of Fame career, but I'm not ready to put him up there with Mahomes. Again, Mahomes won a Super Bowl. Mahomes has his team in the AFC Championship every year. If Joe Burrow gets back to the AFC Championship this year, then I'll say like he's up there with Mahomes because then if you could do that back to back years, like you're with this team, you know, with a yeah, team. I mean, look, I, I, a really know. bad job of constructing an O line once again. I mean, right. It's 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 criminal at this point. It's malpractice. I mean, he's the Burrow is literally like just under siege every game. It's ridiculous. But again, hey, look at the, what the Bengals are doing. They've had no Joe Mix in the last two weeks, and they're finding a way. So and they didn't have Jamar Chase for six weeks. Exactly. So again, yeah. that shows you that you're a great quarterback. But again, there's Mahomes, and then there's great, right? So no, yeah. I'm not ready to put him up there with Mahomes, but I am ready to put the Bengals as a whole as a clutch team that can beat these types of teams, right? Oh. They are. They, they're you know, if you play the Bengals, the Bengals can beat anybody in the league at any moment. Bills, not a problem. We could beat the Bills. Chiefs, not a problem. We could beat the Chiefs. That's all. Okay. What about the NFC wild card situation? This is something I was thinking about recently because I think we're in a weird spot in the NFL right now where pretty much the standings are going to remain the same. The Bills or the Dolphins are going to win the AFC East, right? And likely going to be uh, Buffalo because uh, of Miami's loss uh, to San Francisco. So Buffalo. The only, the only thing I have to say is I, I, I agree. I think the Buffalo Bills will win the AFC East, but it's if the Dolphins and Bills both win this week, I don't know who the Bills play this week. Who, who do they play? Jets. Okay. So if the if the Dolphins and Bills both win this week, the following week, uh, their game got flexed to Saturday night, um, 8 o'clock. Uh-huh. It's Dolphins yeah. versus Bills. That game will probably decide who's going to win the AFC East. That's, that's what it's probably going to come down to. So that's going to be a huge game. Um, yeah. Bills are going to be fired up for that game, of course, because of the loss earlier in the season. Um, but just just a story, a little bit of added pressure there. I, I would agree that the Bills are probably going to win the AFC East, but I think it's going to come down to that game. Okay. Um, but you got the Chiefs in the two seed, the Ravens in the three, Titans, Bengals, Dolphins. Those teams are guaranteed in the AFC. And then it's between the Jets, Patriots, Chargers for that final spot. I did a schedule deep dive. I think it's pretty clear cut, to be honest with you. The Patriots, I think they're going to win maybe two more games and get like eight wins, maybe nine. Uh, whereas I see the Chargers having a potential to get eight, nine, maybe ten. Uh, and the Jets actually have a legitimate chance to get ten wins. Um, so I think the AFC is a little bit more easy to predict. The NFC wild card situation with the Giants, Seahawks, and Washington Commanders sitting in here now with this tie that the Giants have with the Commanders, the 2020 OT tie. Um, This is a very interesting scenario now. 
it basically all comes down to the second time that these two teams face, which, by the way, is totally unfair. The Giants have to play the Eagles in between. The Commanders get a bye week in between. Uh, and then the Giants have to go on the road to face Washington this time. So do you think that the ties will help or hurt the Giants? I mean, they, they're they always going to hurt. Uh, I, 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 um, the, I mean... But if they if they win against the Commanders and it's one zero and one, does does that technically is that technically better than one and one? Yes, of course, that's better than one and one. You don't want a loss. But again, I I, I find that I don't know. I, I guess they might not. Again, though, the the Commanders have played one more game than the Giants. I, I think the Giants still control their their let's just call it destiny, if you will. So this week. Commanders are on a bye. Yeah, the Commanders are on a bye. And the Giants have a massive game against the Eagles in New York. I mean, again, that's probably a loss. I I would I, I don't I think the Eagles are due for another loss, but not I that mean, game. The Eagles probably beat the Giants and the Commanders are idle. That would if if that holds, if that becomes true then the giants are seven five and one and the commanders are seven five and one and then you're really going to have a race for the end of the year um if you look at the week 15 matchup here um this is what i see week 15 is going to be who gets in that is giants versus commanders on sunday night football so whoever wins that game is going to get in the playoffs that's just my prediction Oh yeah, it has to be. I mean, like, I mean, I'm not giving, I'm not saying anything groundbreaking, but that that's what it is. I mean, like, this week doesn't even matter to be totally fair. I mean, if they were to get the win, it's huge, but it's really going to come down to week 15. Yeah, 100. Because because especially the the only thing that concerns me is they go on the road to Minnesota after that's a loss. Uh, then they'll beat the Colts at home, I would assume, uh, and then the final week they get the Eagles. The Eagles are going to be sitting everyone. So that that could maybe even be a win even on the road. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're because the Eagles. There's no way that they slip out of the one seed. That's very true. No, no, I agree. I think you made a good point. It's a, it's inter- I mean, I don't know. I don't. I also don't have the confidence in Daniel Jones going to Philadelphia, even if they're playing a backup quarterback with that crowd. I, I just there's still something about Daniel Jones to me that. He still doesn't have that it factor. The thing with the Giants is they have not scored more than 27 points the entire season. So everyone's talking about how Daniel Jones has been a success this year. They haven't even scored 30 points. So there's an offense problem still. And you have a top three running back this year in terms of production. So the fact that they can't break 27 points is, is enormously concerning to me. Now, also, they have the wide receiver. The wide receiver health has been a problem too. I will say. Yeah, I'm a bit confused as to what happened with um, the Giants over the last few weeks. I didn't realize that they ended up going to seven, four, and one. I could have sworn they had eight wins, but I was obviously. Um, yeah, dude, that's that's wild. I mean, the Giants started off so so hot. I mean, yeah, this is a big one this week too. I mean, again, I, I think the Giants are going to be playing real hard if they can get that one game advantage over the Commanders going to the NBC. But I think honestly, I'm coming at it as a uh, in a cynical way here. It would be kind of nice to see um, 
that Sunday night football game be that high stakes, especially with oh, the yeah. fact that like the night before you have Bills Dolphins, and then the following night you have Commanders Eagles. You know, cold weather, cold weather, or sorry, Commanders Giants. You have cold weather football going on, and it, I mean these are huge divisional games down the stretch. That's when the NFL, in my opinion, is at its best. But anyway, no, I totally do. It's going to be a lot of fun, and for me, I mean, this is the first time in years that I've seen a winning team. It's still fun. I mean, Daniel Jones could be whatever he is. But it's still fun. They're winning games. I like the culture. Brian Dable's been fantastic. Um, they, they, the young players on defense have been working out. Thibodeau has been great uh, this year. So uh, I've really liked it. And the offensive line, the left tackle, Andrew Thomas, homer of a draft pick. He, he's been fantastic, and people are saying he's going to be there for a decade plus. So uh, there's things here that are very promising for the future. It's just what are they going to do at quarterback? You know, does Odell come in? I mean, they don't have a receipt. Sterling Shepard, Wandell Robinson, all those guys, they're out for the year. Uh, all they have is Slayton right now and and, and a few rookie tight ends. So I, I understand why they can't score points, but I don't know. They, they, they got to show something with scoring soon uh, if they want to win. Agree. Yeah. So uh, quick. Well, the only thing we have to say is the ranking part of it uh, in terms of the NCAA stuff. Uh, the only thing I was going to bring up here is the number four spot, number three spot situation where here, here's the whole situation. Right now, people are debating, do conference championships even matter because Ohio State just backdoored their way into the playoffs uh, and USC was forced to play a conference championship, which they then lost, which took them out. TCU even lost, but they were kept in because that was only their first loss of the year. And you could argue, well, that was a ref call. That was they went on fourth and goal, blah, blah, blah. They were this close. Okay, we'll keep them in. But there's a big argument about this conference championship problem and all that. There's also the argument with Bama or Ohio State for that final spot. Oh, Vegas favors Bama over uh, a lot of these teams in the playoffs. Well, also, Alabama was favored by eight against LSU and lost. So there's different things here. Uh, what is your view on this whole selection and how it? I think at least it's been exposed this year? Um, I think it's been massively exposed. I think it was mainly exposed on the Bama end of things. Um, there is no way in the world that they should have been ranked higher than Tennessee. They literally lost to Tennessee. Tennessee, regardless of the L to South Carolina, should have been ranked higher than Alabama. All you are showing to the world is I just rank their roster higher than I rank Tennessee's roster. And that should never, ever, ever, ever be the case. It should be about what you actually did let me look at your record on paper. Let me look at uh, all those all those variables, stuff that actually happened, not hypotheticals, okay? Obviously, Alabama has a better roster than Tennessee, but they lost to Tennessee. Tennessee should be above them. It's a massive joke. I'm happy that we're going to leave the system. I absolutely believe that Ohio State at the five made sense. You've lost to number three Michigan in a huge, huge right. matchup. There is no reason in the world that they should have dropped anywhere further down than five. And then again, the only team that I think the committee was ever looking at as are they fraudulent was the USC, the Trojans. They had already lost to Utah once this year. If you can beat Utah, you're in, you're good. You, you know, you're 11 and 11 and one at the time, they were going to be the only team in the top four that had a loss. Um, and then they, and then they lose. And then look, you're sitting there, you're like, Ohio state, like you had a great season. You went 11 and Oh, then you lost to Michigan. You're back up into the four. Let's see if you belong here. You play Georgia week one. That made perfect sense to me. But again, here's where the issues lied was six, was, number, was Alabama. 
it is so insane to me that Alabama can or Nick Saban can just get on this you know broadcast or whatever and just lobby for why Alabama should be in. That's insane. This isn't a campaign. You lost two games. There's never ever been a two loss team in the in the college football playoff. There never should be a two loss team in the college football playoff, especially when it's top four. This is ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous, and it just exposed the entire system. Um. I'm happy that we're leaving it, but it's just mega disrespect to the, to Tennessee. Um, but I, and, and the other variable here that I, I found to be very large in, in this whole thing was Clemson's loss to South Carolina was, was huge. Yeah. They could have made it as a one loss champ. So you lose to South Carolina that kind of screwed a lot of stuff up because that's probably where Bama comes into play at the six and stuff like that. So, I mean, we have to look at that. But anyway, yeah, it totally exposed the system. I think these four teams are the teams that absolutely deserve to be in it. And if you're Georgia, you're probably sitting there like, we kind of got boned a little bit. I mean, 13-0 you know, season and like... Now you don't have TCU, bro. We have to go up against Ohio State week one. Like, to Michigan sure. gets the, Michigan at the two. That's I'd rather be at the two, right? Sure. But, I mean, Georgia's Georgia, though. I mean, like, they, you know, it's, it's Georgia. But here's the thing. Somebody put the comparisons up. Georgia only has one more five-star than Ohio State, and Ohio State has one more four-star than Georgia does. I mean, these are the two best on-paper rosters in the college football playoff, and the only two on-paper rosters that go toe-to-toe with Bama, if not better than Bama's. I mean – Dude, you're two Heisman candidate quarterbacks going at it in round one. This is great. It's great for college football. I think that that matchup is going to be awesome. Oh, Georgia hasn't been tested at all this year. This, I mean, the, the Missouri game was like a dud game, right? That goes down to the wire. But like in terms of really being matched by, you know, force against forced force, this is it. Like in, in Ohio yeah, State, they beat Tennessee and they beat Oregon up, like, but they beat them up. Exactly. I think that this is like, yeah, this is, this game is going to, I think it's not going to be a blowout. It's going to go down the wire and Ohio State's going to go into that game with a chip on their shoulder. They're pissed about the Michigan loss. They're happy that they're in, but they're going to, they're, they want a crack at Michigan again. So freaking bad. Bro, I'll tell you this, CJ Stroud's better than Stetson Bennett. So from that standpoint, there's a clear advantage. Totally agree. Yeah, but let's go back to our roots here for a second, too. I am absolutely pumped about FAU hiring Tom Herman and firing Willie Taggart. We have wanted this for a long time. Uh, I am so excited about Tom. This is a legit – I did not think that FAU was would even be in the, in the running for one of these big-name coaches, and they get Tom Herman. I'm not saying Tom Herman is some sort of, uh, you know, messiah, but – He's great in bowl games. He coached at Texas. This is a big name. Yeah, this is a huge name. I was really surprised, honestly. Um, this is a big-time name, and this is going to give us a huge boost going into AAC, a, a, yeah, AAC football play. And this, the other thing that maybe helped Tom Herman make this decision that you know Florida FAU is, is the right place to go right now is the fact that we are going to a 12-team playoff. I, I believe that one of these, one or two of these playoff spots are going to be reserved for the top two 
group of five teams or maybe top one group of five team or maybe the AAC winner because there are really big programs in the AAC that that routinely knock off or go into power five games and almost knock them off. Um, and Tom Herman, he's already talking about how the path to get to the Big 12 for the FAU is already there. And oh. FAU... FAU is a bit of a sleeping giant when it comes to the fan base and the location and where you can get recruits and stuff like that. But again, FAU is nothing unless it's winning. They're not a program. They're not a fan base that can still be elite without the W's. And Herman needs to, you know, get back to that. I'm mostly excited for the fact that Herman's got a built already built in track record over in the Texas area of the country with recruiting. He's got recruiting ties there. He was flipping recruits at Houston when they were going to, you know, places like Texas, Texas Tech, Texas A&M. He's got that track record and FAU is a central part of South Florida for a guy like Herman. He's going to he's going to take recruits. He's going to get the very best three stars. He might even get a f- one four star or two and promise them immediate playing time. Transfer portal stuff. I mean, Look, man, Miami's in the shitter. They they just they are. And yeah. if FAU's about to start being on ESPN, the whole pitch for Herman is like, you know, to any transfer portal guys, any potential recruits, hey man, come here, blank slate, you'll be on ESPN on Friday nights or Thursday nights or 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 even some Saturday nights, and we have a chance to play on ABC at the end of the year. Make a name for yourself. This is you know, this is a great camp, great campus, great location. And Herman's the type of guy that he Willie Taggart was a fantastic recruiter. Herman is a fantastic recruiter as well, but where Herman is going to excel over Taggart is the X's and O's. We will be winning football games. Now we have a fun schedule coming into town next year. You got Tulane, who's going to be ranked in the top 25 next year. That's going to start the year. They're ranked like that. They're probably going to win this. Yeah. I mean, like again, the future is bright for FAU, but this Herman hire needs to work out. It absolutely has to work out because if you go from Kiffin's great years to then you, you bring in a big – again, Willie Taggart was a big fish whether people like it or not. He's a big name in college football. Whether his name is associated with screwing up programs or not, he's a big name in college football. Right. He had a big fish, three straight years, didn't work out. Herman, huge – that's a huge fish as well. Comes here, doesn't work out. Then you're going to immediately not – you're going to become the program that's – oof. Uh, I don't know if I want to go there. So it's big, it's it's huge, um, and and I'm excited. No, it's going to be fun. Uh, and just to round out the pod here quickly, uh, just some NHL talk here. I just want to say this: I have never been more wrong about something. I think on this podcast than about the Boston Bruins and saying that they would not make the playoffs. Yeah, me too. Holy shit, dude! I mean, this is. I mean, they're they're the best team in the NHL. They're twenty three and one. Yeah, they're they're insane. Um, I, I was I was very wrong about them as well. It's frustrating. Um, I would like them to not be as good, but uh, unfortunately, they are. And the Panthers have come out of the gate not good. Um, and just I I'm a bit worried. I don't know about you with the Rangers, but I'm a little yep. bit worried. Panthers, the Bruins are are, are going to win the division. They're going to win the conference by far and away. That's pretty much already over. Um, Lightning look pretty mortal this year, but you know they'll find a way to get in the playoffs. And you're totally fine. Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs look pretty damn good. Um, yeah, I mean, 
in the yep. Eastern Conference. Us, Ranger, you know, you're a Rangers fan. I'm a Panthers fan. I mean, I have a very strong feeling that at the end of the year, you and I are going to be like, you know, pretty nervous about seeding, about getting in. Um, this yeah. is a conference where you can't go on two game losing streaks. So, no, it's listen. I mean, the Rangers have 29 points, 12, 10, and five. Panthers are 12, 10, and four with 28 points. So this, I mean, they are basically the same team right now. Uh, you know, both coming off of really great seasons, the Panthers coming off the president's trophy, the Rangers coming off a season that no one saw coming in terms of going to the Eastern conference finals, uh, definitely looks like an over, uh, achievement. And, uh, look, the problems with the Rangers, at least, um, there's no scoring outside of the top players. Lafreniere and Kako at this point have to be considered failures. Um, they just don't score. They don't score. Uh, I see young players that I've never heard of before on other teams when we're playing other teams that just come up, skate down the ice, and fucking rifle off a shot and just score goals. And I've never heard their name before. And then they'll do a little breakdown and say, oh, this guy was a, a third-round pick out of Switzerland and uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's like the Rangers don't do that. They don't, they don't get anyone like that ever. Vitaly Krupso is called the best Russian in Russia – as a young KHLer, he doesn't do shit. Filipino doesn't do anything. None of the young players do anything. So they bring in Trocheck. Great. He leads the team in hits. He's better than Strom. That was a good signing. It's an improvement. But Panarin cannot score goals. He's been an elite passer as a Ranger. He's tops in the league in assists for in his time as a Ranger. Goal scoring has gone down. He has seven goals or something like that right now. It's bad. He, he, he's always passed first. Uh, Chris Kreider has stuck. I think everyone knew 50 goals wasn't happening again. That is, so he's kind of back to what he used to be, where will he even get 30? Um, and so there's just not a lot of scoring with them. You know, Julian Gauthier, what do they do with him? He's just a really fast guy that doesn't finish. Uh, it's, it's really just kind of like Gerard Gall- and, and that's the other thing. I said this when he got hired. Gerard Gallant, when he was fired by the Vegas Golden Knights, what came out was that for a year, it was great and everyone loved it and it was structured because it was just a bunch of guys and he put it together and it worked. And then after that, that one-year structure, it started to break apart. Guys didn't really jive with it as much and it just really quickly, and you saw how quickly he got fired. He brought an expansion team to the cup final and got fired with the snap of a finger. And I see kind of the same thing happening here. He's he's very stubborn. Uh, you know, I can complain about the young players all I want. He doesn't put them on the top lines. He doesn't put them on the top power play. How else are they going to ever do anything if they're playing with other guys that can't score? So it, it's a little much. And then also, he has this obsession with putting a defensive presence on every line, and that neutralizes the offensive uh, production. Jimmy VC is on the first line right now as a right winger. He's not a he's not a top six forward. Barkley Gaudreau is put in the top six all the time. They're not top six guys. Sammy Blay is four assists, and they put him in the top six all the time. So that's my Ranger rant. But I think it's it's kind of doom and gloom looking a little bit. The St. Louis game was was very optimistic. They had a lot of comebacks in that game. They won six four. But man, dude, it it's a really drastic change from last year with this team. Totally. Um, it's, it's your, your rant is, is actually right there where, where, with, if, you know, I was going to go on a Panthers rant, I guess just to sum it up, it's, 
I uh, Barkov's been a big disappointment to start the year. Um, I mean, he's been dealing with a sickness. He didn't play a single game on the Western road trip. Um, to Chuck has been everything advertised. He's top six in the league in scoring. He's been he's been amazing. But again, when you start the year in a cap hole and guys like uh, Marchment leave, Giroux leaves. Um, the list keeps going. I mean, you know, we lost a lot this offseason uh, just to be in under the cap because of Bobrovsky contract that Talon gave out, Keith Yandel contract hits. I mean, this year has is, is always been a, a bit of a bridge year in terms of free agency and cap space, but the, the we're still going for the cup. We're still trying to go to the cup. I mean, that's not the, that's, you know, it's a bridge year, but we're still going to the playoff because next year a lot of cap space frees up. But regardless, I'm really disappointed in the leadership on the team. Um, Aaron Ekblad, I, I just, I don't, unless there's a mic'd up edition of something, I, he is really just, I, I, there's just nothing comes out of his mouth in the game. And he, he doesn't finish his hits. He, he's more, he's, it's like having a fifth, a fourth forward out there. And for a first overall draft pick and, and in the Norris trophy thing every year for top five and votes and stuff it's just what is going on i don't know if it's just too many injuries in the in the year but he needs to step up and if, if you're not gonna do the things we're talking about here then then at least leave at least leave on the team it's just not there uh but i, I have to say man the goaltending is a massive issue in florida um spencer knight has shown flashes this year of like being truly amazing and like mvp caliber top I on my fantasy team yeah, he's been great at times, but then at times he's bad. And then when when Bobrovsky's bad, we go to Spencer. It's just there's there's no clear one A right now, and that's a problem. Um, my last thing I'll say about the Panthers, and then I know we're gonna sign off on this pod. The next four games are huge in Florida. Uh, they are home for three of the next four, but they go to Tampa for the other one. So I'll just call it as being home in Florida. Um, Red Wings, Lightning, Kraken, Blue Jackets. Three of those games are at home. If you win three out of those four, I'll shut up. We'll find a way. We'll figure it out. We'll get on a little bit of a streak. You have to win three of those four. That's it. If we go two out of four, like, or just get one point in in a few of those games, I'm I I am ready to to say like we are going to miss the playoffs because everybody else in the East are winning. Uh, Lightning is a divisional game. Red Wings, you know, divisional game as well. Yeah, so, third place. Yeah, it's like these are huge games. You need to win them. Uh, they, they need to be two points. So Panthers can't do that. I mean, Barkov has to come back and, and get back to his, his normal self. If he gets back to his normal self, we will get in the playoffs. If he is just still dealing with shit for the rest of the month of December, we will be out. That's I'll, tell you that. I'll tell you this, though. I'd be way up more optimistic as a Panthers fan because, A, Duclair's coming back at some point, and, B, you have the same record as the Rangers, and you haven't had Barkov for a long stretch. That's true. And you haven't really had him at all you know, at top performance. So there's like that, oh, well, we can get Barkov. The, the Rangers, it's like, who else is going to step up? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, great pod. Yeah, no, it was a good one, man. And, uh, you know, also Aaron Judge signed today uh, with the Yankees, nine years, 360. Uh, we'll, we'll break that down on Strictly Baseball. Uh, Rory and I will hop on that soon. He got his guy. He got Trey Turner. I got Aaron Judge. Um, and then Steve Cashin, you know, uh, he, he comes on once in a blue moon. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if he uh, 
if he comes on. I know he sent me us a picture of Judge in a raised jersey yesterday. He was pretty confident about that one. So uh, we'll see if he hops on. But uh, backyard bets, we're also going to try and do one this week, Tyler and I, because um, he cannot do one next week. So we're going to try and jam it in this week. And, uh, yeah, so thank you guys for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P, Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. And you can listen to this podcast on any platform. For CJ Uri, I'm Jacob Brown, and we will see you next time.